Today is March the 3rd. What was the Jubilee? Let's find out together as we read Leviticus 24 to 27. Here in Leviticus 24 to 27, uh, we, uh, first of all, in uh, chapter 24, we continue uh, the, the presentation of laws. And an example of someone who broke a law and how they were punished is given. Starting in chapter 25, we have instructions governing uh, the uh, year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was to happen every seven years. During that year, debts would be forgiven uh, Israelites who had been in slavery because of debt would be freed. Any land that had been purchased would revert to the original over. It was a time in which people had a second chance, a chance to begin all over again. Now, the interesting thing is throughout the history of Israel, we find no reference to the celebration of a jubilee. In fact, rabbinical sources actually uh, explain why uh, the law of the Jubilee was only to be applied to Israel as long as they were in Palestine. So from the time of the exile of the northern kingdoms, rabbinic sources says the Jubilee was never celebrated. Instead, the Jubilee would be a time for penitence, for acts of charity. No matter what, enjoy reading this passage of the Jubilee. Leviticus 24 to 27, New Living Translation. Leviticus 24. The Lord said to Moses, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light, to keep the lamps burning continually. This is the lampstand that stands in the tabernacle, in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. Aaron and the priests must tend the lamps on the pure gold lampstand continually in the Lord's presence. You must bake twelve flat loaves of bread from choice flour, using four quarts of flour for each loaf. Place the bread before the Lord on the pure gold table and arrange the loaves in two stacks with six loaves in each stack. Put some pure frankincense near each stack to serve as a representative offering, a special gift presented to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, this bread must be laid out before the Lord as a gift from the Israelites. It's an ongoing expression of the eternal covenant. The loaves of bread will belong to Aaron and his descendants, who must eat them in a sacred place, for they're most holy. It's the permanent right of the priests to claim this portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. One day a man who had an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father came out of his tent and got into a fight with one of the Israelite men. During the fight, this son of an Israelite woman blasphemed the name of the Lord with a curse. So the man was brought to Moses for judgment. 
His mother was Shalomith, the daughter of Dibri of the tribe of Dan. They kept the man in custody until the Lord's will in the matter should become clear to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp. Tell all those who heard the curse to lay their hands on his head. Then let the entire community stone him to death. Say to the people of Israel, those who curse their God will be punished for their sin. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be stoned to death by the whole community of Israel. Any native-born Israelite or foreigner among you who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. Anyone who takes another person's life must be put to death. Anyone who kills another person's animal must pay for it in full, a live animal for the animal that was killed. Anyone who injures another person must be dealt with according to the injury afflicted, a fracture for a fracture an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Whatever anyone does to injure another person must be paid back in kind. Whoever kills an animal must pay for it in full, but whoever kills another person must be put to death. The same standard applies both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. After Moses gave these instructions to the Israelite, they took the blasphemer outside the camp and stoned him to death. The Israelites did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Leviticus 25 While Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you've entered the land I'm giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. For six years you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It's the Lord's Sabbath. Don't plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year. Don't store away the crops that grow on their own or gather the grapes from the unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest, but you may eat whatever the land produces on its own during its Sabbath. This applies to you, your male and female servants, your hired workers and the temporary residents who live with you. Your livestock and the wild animals in your land will also be allowed to eat what the land produces. In addition, you must count off seven Sabbath years, seven sets of seven years, adding up to 49 years in all. Then on the Day of Atonement in the 50th year, blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout the whole land. Set this year apart as holy as time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It'll be a jubilee year for you when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. This 50th year will be a jubilee for you. During that year, you must not plant your fields or store away any of the crops that grow on their own. Don't gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. It'll be a jubilee year for you, and you must keep it holy. But you may eat whatever the land produces on its own. In the year of jubilee, each of you may return to the land that belong to your ancestors. When you make an agreement with your neighbor to buy or sell property, you must not take advantage of each other. When you buy land from your neighbor, the price you pay must be based on the number of years since the last jubilee. The seller 
must set the price by taking into account the number of years remaining until the next year of Jubilee. The more years until the next Jubilee, the higher the price. The fewer years, the lower the price. After all, the person selling the land is actually selling you a certain number of harvests. Show your fear of God by not taking advantage of each other. I am the Lord your God. If you want to live securely in the land, follow my decrees and obey my regulations. Then the land will yield large crops and you'll eat your fill and live securely in it. But you might ask, what will we eat during the seventh year since we're not allowed to plant or harvest crops that year? Be assured that I'll send my blessing for you in the sixth year. So the land will produce a crop large enough for three years. When you plant your fields in the eighth year, you'll be eating from the large crop of the sixth year. In fact, you will still be eating from that large crop when the new crop is harvested in the ninth year. The land must never be sold on a permanent basis, for the land belongs to me. You're only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. With each purchase of land, you must grant the seller the right to buy it back. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty or is forced to sell some family land, then a close relative should buy it back from him. If there is no close relative to buy the land, but the person who sold it gets enough money to buy it back, then he has the right to redeem it from the one who bought it. The price of the land will be discounted according to the number of years until the next jubilee year. In this way, the original owner can then return to the land. But if the original owner cannot afford to buy back the land, it will remain with the new owner until the next year of jubilee. In the jubilee year, the land must be returned to the original owners so they can return to their family land. Anyone who sells a house inside a walled town has the right to buy it back for a full year after its sale. During that year, the seller retains the right to buy it back. But if it's not bought back within a year, the sale of the house within the walled town cannot be reversed. It'll become the permanent property of the buyer. It will not be returned to the original owner in the year of Jubilees. But a house in a village, a settlement without fortified walls, will be treated like property in the countryside. Such a house may be bought back at any time, and it must be returned to the original owner in the year of Jubilee. The Levites always have the right to buy back a house they've sold within the towns allotted to them. Any property that's sold by the Levites, all houses within the Levitical towns, must be returned in the year of Jubilee. After all, the houses in the towns reserved for the Levites are the only property they own in all Israel. The open pasture land around the Levitical towns may never be sold. It's their permanent possession. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and cannot support himself, support him as you would a foreigner or a temporary resident and allow him to live with you. Don't charge interest or make a profit at his expense. Instead, show your fear of God by letting him live with you as your relative. Remember, don't charge interest on money you lend him or make a profit on food you sell him. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Give you the land of Canaan. 
and to be your God. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty or is forced to sell himself to you, don't treat him as a slave. Treat him instead as a hired worker or as a temporary resident who lives with you. He'll serve you only until the year of Jubilee. At that time, he and his children will no longer be obligated to you. They'll return to their clans and go back to the land originally allotted to their ancestors. The people of Israel are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt, so they must never be sold as slaves. Show your fear of God by not treating them harshly. However, you may purchase male and female slaves from among the nations around you. You may also purchase the children of temporary residents who live among you, including those who have been born in your land. You may treat them as your property, passing them on to your children as a permanent inheritance. You may treat them as slaves, but you must never treat your fellow Israelites this way. Suppose a foreigner or temporary resident becomes rich while living among you. If any of your fellow Israelites fall into poverty or are forced to sell themselves to such a foreigner or to a member of his family, they still retain the right to be bought back, even after they've been purchased. They may be bought back by a brother, an uncle, or a cousin. In fact, anyone from the extended family may buy them back. They may also redeem themselves if they've prospered. They'll renegotiate the price of their freedom with the person who bought them. The price will be based on the number of years from the time they were sold until the next year of Jubilee, whatever it would cost to hire a worker for that period of time. If many years still remain until the Jubilee, they'll repay the proper portion of what they received when they sold themselves. If only a few years remain until the year of Jubilee, they'll repay a small amount for their redemption. The foreigner must treat them as workers hired on a yearly basis. You must not allow a foreigner to treat any of your fellow Israelites harshly. If any Israelites have not been bought back by the time the year of Jubilee arrives, they and their children must be set free at that time. For the people of Israel belong to me. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. Leviticus 26. Do not make idols or set up carved images or sacred pillars or sculptured stones in your land so that you may worship them. I am the Lord, your God. You must keep my Sabbath days of rest and show reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I'll send you the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest. Your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You'll eat your fill and live securely in your own land. I'll give you peace in the land. You'll be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I'll rid the land of wild animals and keep your enemies out of your land. In fact, you'll chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword. I'll look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. I'll fulfill my covenant with you and you'll have such a surplus of crops that you'll need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. 
I'll live among you. I will not despise you. I'll walk among you. I'll be your God and you will be my people. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your heads held high. However, if you do not listen to me or obey these commands, if you break my covenant by rejecting my decrees, treating my regulations with contempt, refusing to obey my commands, I will punish you. I'll bring sudden terrors upon you, wasting diseases and burning fevers that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You'll plant your crops in vain because your enemies will eat them. I'll turn against you and you'll be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you. You'll run even when no one is chasing you. And if in spite of all this, you still disobey me, I'll punish you seven times over for your sins. I'll break your proud spirit by making the skies as unyielding as iron and the earth as hard as bronze. All your work will be for nothing, for your land will yield no crops, and your trees will bear no fruit. If even then you remain hostile toward me and refuse to obey me, I'll inflict disaster on you seven times over for your sins. I'll send wild animals that'll rob you of your children and destroy your livestock. Your numbers will dwindle and your roads will be deserted. If you fail to learn the lesson and continue your hostility toward me, then I myself will be hostile toward you. I'll personally strike you with calamity seven times over for your sins. I'll send armies against you to carry out the curse of the covenant you've broken. When you run to your towns for safety, I'll send a plague to destroy you there. You'll be handed over to your enemies. I'll destroy your food supply so that ten women will need only one oven to bake bread for their families. They'll ration your food by weight. Though you have food to eat, you'll not be satisfied." If in spite of all this, you still refuse to listen and still remain hostile toward me, then I'll give full vent to my hostility. I myself will punish you seven times over for your sins. Then you'll eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. I'll destroy your pagan shrines and knock down your places of worship. I'll leave your lifeless corpses piled on top of your lifeless idols, and I will despise you. I'll make your cities desolate and destroy your places of pagan worship. I'll take no pleasure in the offerings that should be a pleasing aroma to me. Yes, I myself will devastate your land, and your enemies who come to occupy it will be appalled at what they see. I'll scatter you among the nations and bring out my sword against you. Your land will become desolate. Your cities will lie in ruins. Then at last the land will enjoy its neglected Sabbath years as it lies desolate while you're in exile in the land of your enemies. Then the land will finally rest and enjoy the Sabbaths it missed. As long as the land lies in ruins, it will enjoy the rest you never allowed it to take every seventh year while you lived in it. For those of you who survive, 
I'll demoralize you in the land of your enemies. You'll live in such fear that the sound of a leaf driven by a wind will send you fleeing. You'll run as though fleeing from the sword, and you'll fall even when no one pursues you. No, no one is chasing you. You'll stumble over each other as though fleeing from a sword. You'll have no power to stand up against your enemies. You'll die among the foreign nations. You'll be devoured in the land of your enemies. Those of you who survive will waste away in your enemies' lands because of their sins and the sins of their ancestors. But at last, my people will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors for betraying me and being hostile toward me. When I've turned their hostility back on them and I brought them to the land of their enemies, then at last their stubborn hearts will be humbled and they will pay for their sins. Then I'll remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac, my covenant with Abraham, and I'll remember the land. For the land must be abandoned to enjoy its years of Sabbath rest as it lies deserted. At last the people will pay for their sins, for they have continually rejected my regulations and despised my decrees. But despite all this, I will not utterly reject or despise them while they're in exile in the land of their enemies. I will not cancel my covenant with them by wiping them out, for I am the Lord their God. For their sakes, I'll remember my ancient covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of all of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord." These are the decrees, regulations, and instructions that the Lord gave through Moses on Mount Sinai as evidence of the relationship between himself and the Israelites. Leviticus 27. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If anyone makes a special vow to dedicate someone to the Lord by paying the value of that person, here's the scale of values to be used. A man between the ages of 20 and 60 is valued at 50 shekels of silver, as measured by the sanctuary shekel. A woman of that age is valued at 30 shekels of silver. A boy between the ages of 5 and 20 is valued at 20 shekels of silver, and a girl of that age is valued at 10 shekels of silver. A boy between the ages of one month and five years is valued at five shekels of silver. A girl of that age is valued at three shekels of silver. A man older than 60 is valued at 16 shekels of silver. A woman of that age is valued at 10 shekels of silver. If you desire to make such a vow but cannot afford to pay the required amount, take the person to the priest. He'll determine the amount for you to pay based on what you can afford. If your vow involves giving an animal that's acceptable as an offering to the Lord, any gift to the Lord will be considered holy. You may not exchange or substitute it for another animal, neither a good animal for a bad one, nor a bad animal for a good one. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy. If your vow involves an unclean animal, one that is not acceptable as an offering to the Lord, then you must bring the animal to the priest. He'll assess its value, and his assessment will be final, whether high or low. If you want to buy back the animal, you must pay the value set by the priest plus 
If someone dedicates a house to the Lord, the priest will come to assess its value. The priest's assessment will be final, whether high or low. If the person who dedicated the house wants to buy it back, he must pay the value set by the priest plus 20%. Then the house will be his again. If someone dedicates the Lord a piece of his family property, its value will be assessed according to the amount of seed required to plant it. Fifty shekels of silver for a field planted with five bushels of barley seed. If the field is dedicated to the Lord in the year of Jubilee, then the entire assessment will apply. But if the field is dedicated after the year of Jubilee, the priest will assess the land's value in proportion to the number of years left until the next year of Jubilee. Its assessed value is reduced each year. If the person who dedicated the field wants to buy it back, he must pay the value set by the priest plus 20%. Then the field will again be legally his. But if he does not want to buy it back and it's sold to someone else, the field can no longer be bought back. When the field is released in the year of Jubilees, it'll be holy, a field specially set apart for the Lord. It'll become the property of the priests." If someone dedicates to the Lord a field he's purchased, but which is not part of his family property, the priest will assess its value based on the number of years left until the next year of Jubilees. On that day, he must give the assessed value of the land as a sacred donation to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field must be returned to the person from whom he purchased it, the one who inherited it as family property. All the payments must be measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel, which equals 20 geras. You may not dedicate a firstborn animal to the Lord, for the firstborn of your cattle and sheep, goats, already belong to him. However, you may buy back the firstborn of a ceremonially unclean animal by paying the priest's assessments of its worth, plus 20%. If you do not buy it back, the priest will sell it at its assessed value. However, anything specially set apart for the Lord, whether a person, an animal, or family property, must never be sold or bought back. Anything devoted in this way has been set apart as holy. It belongs to the Lord. No person specially set apart for destruction may be bought back. Such a person must be put to death. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth of the grain or fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%. Count off every tenth animal from your herd and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. You may not pick and choose between good and bad animals, and you may not substitute one for another. But if you do exchange one animal for another, then both the original animal and its substitute will be considered holy and cannot be bought back. These are the commands that the Lord gave Moses on Mount Sinai for the Israelites. Like, follow, and subscribe to this devotional on whatever platform you use to listen to it. Email your questions to us at questions at becomehope.com. Tomorrow, we begin reading the book of Numbers and ask, why are there so many names 
in numbers. 